This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I am so excited to dive into this conversation today. We have Julie Solomon joining us. Julie is a mom of, well, she has an adorable little boy and another one, a bun in the oven, but she is also an expert in digital marketing, PR, and personal branding. So Julie is going to be telling us a little bit about her experience building her business, which is an incredible one. She is the host of the top-rated podcast, the Influencer Podcast. She's been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post, People Magazine. The podcast has had over a million downloads. And she's created a lot of this at the same time as navigating mom life. So I'm so curious and excited to chat with her a little bit about the juggle of growing a business and following your pursuit as a woman and as a human being, while also dedicating time to your family and to having children. I think that this is something that we don't always get to talk about. So I'm excited to dive into that with her today. Julie has interviewed some amazing people, Rachel Hollis, Marie Forleo. And with her degrees in journalism and digital media, she has created some amazing online programs, the Influencer Academy and Pitch It Perfect, which has allowed her to grow her business into a seven-figure business. With over a decade of experience in helping individuals turn messages into movements, Julie empowers entrepreneurs to expand their brand and grow their influence. Today, she's going to be taking us behind the scenes, behind the highlight reel of her journey to create a life that she really loves and that is giving back to our community. Julie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and I love your podcast. So it's really fun to be able to be here today and to chat with you. Thank you so much. I was, you know, scrolling through your Instagram or a post popped up and you mentioned that you don't always share a lot of your personal life with your audience. Like you're definitely present in your brand, but that you don't always share the little moments and that you are excited to share that you're pregnant again. I'm so curious, like, can you give us a little bit of the behind the scenes, a little bit of like inside scoop on who you are as a human being behind that highlight reel? Yeah. Um, so really with me and kind of who I am and what I stand for is just to try to find joy and gratitude in each and every day. I think that through, you know, navigating my life, there were so many years that I didn't see that. I didn't understand that. You know, I grew up in a home that like many who can probably relate to that's listening to this, there was a lot of untreated addiction and then a lot of a lot of untreated people that were dealing with other people's untreated addiction. So there was just this navigation of trying to please and trying to find my footing and 
you know, I didn't even really know what compassion was until I got a lot older and really started kind of working on myself. And so I really try to find the root in that every day. And that's really where my love for connection and for empowering women and for holding space for women and to really help them think and feel for themselves comes from. Mm, I love that. Have you always known from a young age that you were going to be this online influencer slash business guru (laughs) slash online course producer. Was that something that you had your eyes set on from a young age? I don't think that it was as specific as that, but I definitely always had my eyes set on something that was greater than what I probably perceived to be at the time. You know, I'm originally from a really small town lived in Tennessee for most of my life, went to a college in Tennessee, which was basically just like my high school relocating to the same college. And so I always felt inside of me this small voice that wanted more, that was curious about the world, that was curious about experiences, that wanted to experience more things. And I've always just been a very driven and dedicated person to wanting to serve and to wanting to really be my best in whatever I did. So I got into PR and marketing pretty early on in my career. It was actually one of the first jobs that I've ever had. I moved to New York City after college. I had never been there. I had no friends. I had no job. I had no nothing. And just really started hitting the ground running and applying to as many places as I could. And after a few months, I finally landed a job with a PR company there and really loved the excitement that it gave me. And there was never a day that was the same. And I really got to put a lot of my my skill sets to writing and to connecting with people and communicating with people and all of that stuff kind of in that place. But I would find myself because after that job, I went in-house with HarperCollins and I did book PR. And after that, I left and I started my own PR agency. And even kind of throughout those years of really trying to gain the experience, which of course I was always so grateful for, I always kind of felt like something was missing. Like there was something more. And then it actually made me kind of feel crazy at times because I was like, you know, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just settle for this and find the joy in this? You know, this is quote unquote the American dream. You have a safe job, you have a salary and health benefits and all of that stuff. So why am I not fulfilled? I, I would literally think that something was wrong with me. And I would even have, you know, my parents be like, why can't you just be happy in this work that you're doing? You've, you know, you've worked so hard in your 20s to kind of get to this place. But it wasn't until I really started to listen to myself and really start taking actions on things that even though they terrified me, I had to be brave enough and courageous enough to go for it, that I started to kind of see what was out there for me to really do and to share with the world. Oh, I love that. I bet you there are so many people who are listening right now, putting their hand up and being like, I feel like this too. I'm in a job and I, or I have the family or I have the degree and I feel like I should be more content. I feel like I should be happier than I am, but something feels like it's missing. I think this is so common. And with so many of the women that I work with, there's just something, you know, tapping on their heart that is telling them that there's more out there for them. So can you tell me if you can take yourself back to that time when you were in that place, how did you start to move forward in another direction? 
did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Did you have any concept as to what could make you feel more fulfilled at the time? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had always been kind of in PR. I had majored in journalism and marketing and communications. I knew that that was kind of the realm of the world that I liked to be in, but the way in which I had been doing it was not fulfilling me. I had no idea at the time that I would end up, you know, launching a podcast and, you know, having online education programs and being a business coach and all of that stuff. That wasn't clear, those specific details, but my purpose was always the same. And that was to share my brilliance with the world in the best way that I could. And even though my passions would change, getting really clear on that purpose for me has always been what has allowed me to have the foundation. Even when I didn't know how to niche down, even when I didn't know if I was going to try something and fail at it, no matter what those details may have looked like, I had that foundation to know that that it was my really my duty to show up and to live my life to the best that I could and to really share my gifts with the world. And so that I think always helped me and how I was able to figure that out was I started kind of thinking about what is the alternative? And I remember sitting in those jobs throughout those years before I kind of went out and did my own thing and thinking about how miserable I was. And then most importantly, looking around at the other people that I worked with and really seeing how truly miserable they were in their lives. And when it comes to our work, to what we do day in and day out, we as adults spend more time working than we do on a lot of other things. I mean, working and really kind of spending time with maybe family and friends take up the majority of of our time in our entire lives. I don't think that we were put on this planet to be miserable, right? I don't think that we were put here to do a job that we hate day in and day out. But yet I was looking around and I was seeing everybody being so flipping miserable. They hated their jobs. They hated what they were doing. They had no purpose. They had no vision. Or if they did, they weren't living it out. And I started to kind of see that in myself as well. And so that's what clicked for me when I was like at 26 years old, looking around saying, this cannot be the rest of my life. And if it becomes the rest of my life, it's because I was not brave enough to go out and to really step into the brilliance that I know is inside me, but I let the fear get in the way of really stepping out. And so having that belief to be brave and afraid at the same time was huge for me. And not having to have it all figured out, not having it needing to be perfect or curated, which again, as a recovering people pleaser and a recovering perfectionist, that was also something that was hard to navigate. But I kept thinking to myself and I kept asking myself that question of what's the alternative? You know, Mm. staying here, being miserable, not really feeling like I'm living my full potential, just letting the, the fear of not knowing enough and not having enough money and And not thinking that, you know, I'm clear enough on what I want to do. All those fears of just when it comes down to it, it just boils down to just plain old not being enough. We all feel that we're not enough. And so because of that, we don't take the action that is needed to change our lives. Because you can think about things all day long, but if you don't take action, action comes from actually engaging in something new. 
not just thinking about it, then you're never going to change your life. And so when I really started to do that, and most importantly, started to make decisions as the future person that I wanted to be instead of making decisions as the person that I was today is when my whole life changed. And not only did my whole life change, but I became a hell of a lot happier too. Oh, preach. (laughs) So many good nuggets in what you just said. I want to just highlight a couple of them. I'm literally taking notes as I'm listening, and I hope our audience is as well because there's so much brilliance in what she just said. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a The first one that I love is really thinking about the alternative. What is the alternative of you not showing up as your best self or trying or putting yourself out there and being brave? What is the alternative of staying exactly where you are right now? And this is applicable and resonates with all areas of our life, whether that's your career, your health, your relationships, putting yourself out there to date, all of the things. So think perhaps five years down the road and consider where your life will be if you stay where you are right now. And are you happy with that? And if you are, great, great. Keep doing what you're doing. If you're not happy with where you are, that's where this next piece comes in as to what Julie was saying about being brave and recognizing that whenever we are being brave, fear is going to be right there beside us as well. I think so many people think that when somebody is brave or courageous, that they're not fearful. And I don't know about you, Julie, but for me, that's the exact opposite. They always ride side by side. 
there's always fear when I'm being brave. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and that, you know, Brene Brown talks about that a lot. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of really her, her definition of what vulnerability truly is. And I think too, and it's important to note this, especially for those listening, and this is what I really share when I'm coaching you know, women through kind of getting to the other side of whatever it is that they're trying to get to the other side of is that this idea of what you want your life to be in this vision, it can start to be feel very overwhelming because it can seem really big. And you may be thinking like, I get it, but like, how do I actually get there? You know, like, what do I take action on first? Where do I niche down? What do I need to learn? And all of those things, if you can just take it one day at a time to see, you know, this is what I want to do. So what is one thing that I can learn today to help me get there? What is one outreach call or action step or piece of content that I can create? Whatever that is for that person. What is just one thing that you can do today that will actually get you to where you want to go. And it also goes back to really looking at your habits because a lot of times what I find when I'm coaching with my students and with my members is that their habits, their habitual day in and day habits do not reflect the goals that they are trying to attain. So for example, if there's someone who, you know, they want to eat healthier in life, right? And they want to exercise more but they're not exercising and they're not eating healthier. It's like, well, your habit is not reflecting the goal that you actually want to get to. Or if there's someone that's like, you know, I want to create, you know, I I want to be a writer. I want to write a book, but they're not actually writing. Do you want to write a book or do you want to be known for being an author? Because those are two very distinct, different things. And Mm -hmm. one or the other is not bad or good, but you have to get really honest with yourself about what is it that I really want and why? And how can my day-to-day habits just one day at a time reflect getting me closer to where I want to go? This is so important. I feel like now more than ever, we're hearing a lot about manifestation and visioning exercises, which are all beautiful tools. But it's almost like people are disillusioned and thinking that if I just write the million dollar check or I just make a goal sheet and wish that it happens, that all of a sudden it will appear. There's a big missing step there that you have to put it out there, but then you actually have to align your actions to that goal that you've set for yourself. You actually have to do the work to get there. So tell me, you're in this PR job, you're looking around, you're like, this is not it for me. What was the next step that you took? Like, how did you bridge the gap from that point to where you are now? I quit the job. And you had nothing? Nothing. And as as simple as that sounds, like that's terrifying, but that's the first step. And I'm not sitting here advocating to people to go and quit your jobs tomorrow with, you know, with blind faith. I mean, you again, you have to be responsible. You have to be accountable for the choices and decisions that you make. And you have to make it a, a choice and a, and a decision, period. Yeah. So for me at the time, it was, you know, I had $30,000 in student loan debt. I had bills I had to pay. I didn't have any other source of income coming in at that time, but I did know that I was good at PR. So about a month before I quit the job, I started sending out emails to people saying, hey, I'm thinking about going off on my own. If I do this, would you be interested in PR help and PR assistance? Do you need help with this? Do you need help with marketing? Do you need help with social media? Do you need help with communications? Do you need help with brand strategy? Because I can help you with that. 
And so I started kind of putting the feelers out there to one, A, let people know that I'm for hire, right? Because again, it's not, you know, people's job to come and find you. You have to go find them. But it also allowed me to start building up the confidence that I needed both mentally and emotionally to quit the job. Mm. So that was the step that I took. And I made sure to be as responsible and as accountable as I could at the time. Did I do it perfect? No. Did I have moments that I failed? Absolutely. Was I terrified? You betcha. But I quit the job. And that shift of, of actually taking that action and leaving that cushy, safe corporate job was the greatest, most terrifying decision that I ever made at the time. Because also too, it made me 100% accountable for the choices that I make. And I think that this is also important, Erin, is that a lot of times when people stay stuck, I don't know about you, but that's a big thing that I hear from my community, right? Like, Julie, I'm so stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to take. Nothing seems to work for me. No one works for me. No coaching works for me. No, nothing works for me. And it kind of goes back to this point that if you're choosing to believe and to think that nothing will work for you, then nothing will. Mm -hmm. The circumstances are what they are, right? Facts are facts. You may not be able to change what's happening in your personal life or your business life or the fact that you have debt or the fact that you have student loans or the fact that your husband left you or the fact that your mom has cancer, right? Those are circumstances. You can change, however, how you think and feel about those circumstances, thus changing your actions, reactions, or inactions to those circumstances and the results that that you receive from them. So for me, it was getting really clear on taking accountability for leaving, because if I would have stayed at that corporate job, there had to have been some kind of payoff that I was getting from that, right? Even if it was a negative payoff, right? There was some kind of payoff for me telling myself that I can't do it. I'm too much in debt. I can't afford to leave. What if I don't get another job? What was the payoff in me saying that? Was it that it allowed me to stay small? Mm-hmm. Was it that it allowed me to not truly take responsibility of the choices that I was making? Did it allow me to make excuses for being stuck? Yep. What was the payoff? So I had to start getting, again, really honest with myself about what is the benefit and the payoff to thinking in this way that is not serving me and is not getting me closer to the life that I truly want? What's the payoff? And when you start to really identify what those what those defects are, what those limiting pieces in your life are that that you get some kind of payoff from, from some old story or old belief that you have. And when you can start to rewrite the script, thus rewriting the script, that's when you also can, can clarify those next steps that you need to take to get to where you want to go. Because that's always been a big thing with a lot of students that I coach is that they can't get out of their own way because they're attached to this payoff that keeps them small, that keeps them feeling this false sense of safety, and that keeps them from really not having to take full responsibility and accountability for their lives. Yes, yes. I see this so often as well. It's little forms of self-sabotage to keep yourself safe, but only in the short term, because if we take that more macro look at our life and we zoom out or we look forward to five, 10, even like one year down the road, 
It's not actually keeping us safer. It's keeping us miserable. But in the moment, it feels momentarily safer. This is all so good and so helpful. And I know that it's resonating with so many people. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we all do it to some extent or to some level. And it requires massive self-awareness, self-discovery, sometimes working with a coach to sort of help shine the light on these areas that we can't necessarily see within ourselves. So I love these questions that you're asking the audience to consider. And I hope that everyone who's listening right now is writing some of these down and actually reflecting on it within their self, because these are so important, such important steps in pursuing your dream. So you start doing PR for people and connecting with them in that way. At what point did you start your blog and the podcast? Yeah. So once I left corporate America, and I think it's important to note too, before I dive into that, because you had mentioned goal setting earlier, which made Mm -hmm. me think of something because you know, writing your goals out is important. You can write them out 15 million times a day or whatever, you know, works for you. But I think what I found through this transitional phase that, that we've been talking about is more so than writing out what I wanted, I had to start answering questions for myself. So for example, you know, asking yourself questions like, do I want to feel safe or do I want to feel miserable? Getting clear on where am I today? Where do I want to go? And what's keeping me stuck? The simple question of what do you want, truly? Like, what do you want? Even if you're terrified to admit it, without fear of failure, without fear, what what do you want? So I took a little bit of time in this transition to really start doing a lot of soul searching, to really start doing a lot of personal development work, to start working with therapists and coaches and whoever I felt I needed to at the time to start answering some of those really tough questions that are so much easier to avoid, Erin, <laughs> you know? Of course. <laughs> but when I started, you know, really kind of answering those questions, what came to me was the clarity piece. And then that gave me the goals. And then that gave me the direction of where I needed to, again, one day at a time, go in that direction. So after I left that corporate job, what was being revealed to me through this process, which is now a method that I teach in coaching, is, you know, there's various methods that I walk my clients through and my students through to kind of figure this out for themselves. But it was getting to this place of, I'm going to do this PR thing because I'm good at it. I know I can make an income at it. But I also know that there's something more in me. And I may not know what that looks like today, but I know that there's something more. And so I just started working with clients on the side as like a contracted you know, employee doing PR. And then around that time, I met my now husband who lived in LA and he's an actor. So I knew that if we were going to be together and grow a family, I was going to need to move there because he needed to obviously live there at the time. Again, was still doing PR and just was trying to remain open, was trying to just stay on my journey of self-reflection and really kind of diving into more of me and kind of, you know, what are those limiting things? What are these old stories that I need to shed? And when I got to LA, I found myself, you know, barefoot and pregnant, baking pies, basically. And (laughs) I had no friends, right? I was in this brand new city. I didn't know anyone. And at the time, this whole thing of blogging and YouTubing and influencer marketing and 
doing collaborations on Instagram, this whole kind of thing that we now see as just a new form of online marketing and online sales was becoming a thing. And I was like, well, maybe I can meet some friends this way. I mean, it really was as innocent as I want to connect with people. I feel lonely. I feel isolated, which I'm sure so many people can relate to this. It's listening to this. I, I truly believe that that feeling of isolation and loneliness is one of the biggest dream killers that you can have. And so I really allowed myself in my own extroverted, but somewhat introverted way to find community. And the way that I did that at the time was through blogging. So I started kind of like a mom blog at the time, lifestyle blog. And over a series of about six months to a year, the blogging stuff was fun. I was meeting people. I had had my son. I was able to meet other moms and kind of find community. But what I soon discovered was that so many of the women in that blogger community they were growing really fast and they were getting all these opportunities, but they didn't know how to actually turn them into a profitable business. And what I started finding was that they were starting to become as miserable as the other people that I used to work with sitting in my corporate America job. And it was so fascinating to me because I was like, oh my gosh, this is basically just a new form of handcuffs. Now they may be prettier, Mm -hmm. But people still feel caged to this because they're waiting on a check from brands in order to make money or they're waiting on validation from followers to make them feel like they're enough in life. When I started noticing that, I was like, you know, I think this is the direction that I need to go because what this community needs from me is not my motherhood lifestyle blogging tips. What they need from me is to help them truly build a business and life that they love. And mm -hmm. so I started to pivot some of the content that I was creating to talk more about marketing and audience growth and how to authentically connect to your audience and how to stop worrying about a follower number and instead really create you know, revenue from a business so you could gain the confidence that you needed to keep moving forward and creating more content and building more. And it just kind of started to take off. You know, I would even have friends come to me and say, you know, Julie, how is it that you have 8,000 followers and I have 100,000 followers, but you're, you're making more money off of these brand deals than I am, or your engagement's higher, or you have more people reading your blog or kind of whatever it is that they were using to compare. And I said, well, it's because I'm not focusing on the metrics that don't matter. I'm really focusing on figuring out what is it that I do? How can I be a solution provider for an audience? And then who is that audience and where are they so I can connect with them? and truly come from a place of solution and service. And so that was the difference. And then there were just a lot of these women that they didn't have, you know, a college background in business or communications or marketing or PR, and they didn't have that expertise. And I did. It was one of the gifts that I had worked really hard on for many, many years cultivating. And so I was, that was my service to them. After I did that through free blog content, I created a program, which was my first program that taught these types of women how to effectively communicate, talk, and connect to companies and brands so that they could build relationships with them, so that they could start monetizing their platform and negotiate better opportunities and positions for themselves so they didn't feel so saturated with just being this like Instagram feed of just fodder product material, right? Like really bringing in some authenticity 
to this idea of influencer marketing. And then, you know, that kind of started to slowly, because again, at the time, I didn't know how to create an online course. I didn't know anything about Facebook ads and webinars. And I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I had this really amazing piece of service-based content that got people results pretty dang quickly that I wanted to get out to the world. And then from there, the podcast came about a year later. And that's really what allowed me to kind of reach more of the masses. Because as you know, Aaron, podcasts are an incredible way to cultivate an audience and to share your gifts with them. And and that's really kind of what put me and my message and what I do and how I serve on the map. And then from there, um, opened up the Influencer Academy. It's basically an online business and branding school for entrepreneurs. Okay, amazing. Yes. And then from there, created Shine, which is my coaching membership. And that was kind of the next step that throughout the years, because this probably happened from 2013 to 2017. So not very long was it that I went from writing my first mommy blog post to um, putting my first podcast episode out. Um, but there was a lot of trial and error during that time. There was a lot of you know pivoting and figuring out you know as my passions would change, how do I still get my purpose out there and really listening to the audience, even when I had a tiny audience, you know, the listening to them and surveying them and really figuring out how I can help them. And the biggest thing that people would say is, you know, do you offer coaching? So I was able to then create that as a way of really getting people out of the learning and into the doing of their lives and their business so they could truly build a life and business that they were super proud of. Mm. What I'm loving about this whole story is that there was never a moment when you were like, this is exactly how it's going to look. This is the goal. I'm going to launch three programs. I'm going to coach people one-on-one. It was an unfolding that happened slowly because you were open and listening. Whether you were listening to the people who were around you, whether you were tuning into yourself and your talents, you were open and willing to pivot and to make changes rather than to stay stuck where you were. That I feel like is such an incredible tool and something for everyone to note right now is you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know exactly what it's going to look like. But can you start figuring out what your gifts are, what you enjoy, what you like doing, what lights you up, and then turning outward to your community and those around you and looking at what it is that they need and how your gifts can help serve them. And you've done just such an amazing time. I mean, four years really is not that long to go from barefoot, pregnant, making pies (laughs) to (laughs) running this business and you're pregnant with number two now. Right. And I think that that really just comes down to commitment and consistency because without commitment, you'll never start. And without consistency, you'll never finish. And so it was consistently day in and day out going all in on this. And again, you you know that I'm a huge believer in asking yourself questions. The biggest question that I asked myself throughout these four years was, do I want to be the absolute best at this? Yes or no? And if the answer was yes, then I also knew that I had to show up as the absolute best version of myself. So it was a constant working of myself, unfolding of myself, peeling back the layers of myself and embracing when those moments would come because they come from all of us of, I might've known PR and marketing, but I didn't know how to start a podcast. I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to launch an online course. You know, I didn't go to 
college to be a business and life coach. Like I, I didn't know how to do those things. I had to learn those things through years of trial and error and pivoting and figuring it out. And that idea of, well, I don't want to start this because I don't want to do it wrong, or I don't want to invest in the wrong things, or I want to make sure that I can give it time, or I want to balance it. Those again, you've got to go back to those questions of, you know, how are those thoughts serving you getting you to where you really want to go? What's the payoff of kind of psyching yourself out of it before you even start? Mm-hmm. And so it was it was a constant practice. I was so grateful that I was able to cultivate that practice for myself and that I believed in myself enough and that I loved myself enough to commit to that practice every single day because there was, you know, a long time in my life that I didn't you know, I didn't love myself enough. I didn't, I wasn't confident enough. I, you know, it was so much easier just to kind of check out and to drink and to hang out and to socialize and to, you know, do whatever it was that I was doing that were kind of like my easy buttons to get out of really having to face my stuff. And so being an entrepreneur for me has been such a gift. That part of me that was always there, it's revealed that to me in a way that is just beautiful. And it's truly a gift to be an entrepreneur. It's a gift to create products and services and content that have the intention of impacting and changing another human being. It is. Absolutely. Did you find that in growing your business, it was sort of a slow burn of growth? Or was there ever a moment or even a couple of moments when you had that PR success or you had that amazing guest on the podcast and all of a sudden it blew up? Or were there moments when you did things right that sped up the trajectory of your business success? Or was it always just sort of showing up consistently? I've always been the turtle in the race, Erin. <laughs> I've never had that lightning in a bottle, overnight viral moment. That hasn't happened for me in my journey yet. It really has been just the minding and grinding day in and day out of consistency and, and working. You know, As I was building this, I was doing PR. I was making money off my blog. I was doing consulting for people. I was managing influencers and bloggers who wanted that. I was learning more about coaching so I could honestly show up and serve in that way. I was doing multiple things. And so for me, it was always just that day in and day out, being that turtle in the race, staying consistent. And when I would see those things happen to other people, I always found it so fascinating. And I really used it as kind of like this energy to keep me going. You know, we do see those people that maybe they have an article and then overnight they've blown up, or maybe they had that one podcast guest or that one program that just shot them up to success. It's fascinating and it's amazing and it's inspiring when that happens. But I think more times than not, what's really happening behind the scenes is that day in and day out showing up. I think it's just so important to highlight that because I'm also a turtle right there alongside you. I think when we live in this world of social media, we're constantly seeing people where they have had that overnight success, which is never truly an overnight success. They've still been showing up in their own way, but where they have that thing that sort of like rocket ships them into the stars. 
However, like you said, for the majority of people, when you look at them on social media or you look at their bank account or you look at their family, it's because they've been working away at it for years. I mean, for me, I started raw in 2014 as well. And it has been day in, day out, staying on the course, doing little pivots here and there to get to where we are today. And I just want to remind everyone that it is just so important to keep at it day in and day out and that there are going to be ups and downs and there are going to be moments when you feel like you've got it and a lot more moments probably when you're like, am I doing this right? Is this working? Or ah, I feel like I just took a few steps back, but that that's part of the process. You keep showing up for yourself as Julie has so beautifully said. Julie, I'm curious to know for you as a mom, and I know we have a lot of listeners who are moms. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience of balancing work and this journey of really expressing yourself and your talents with motherhood? Yeah. And I I love that you brought this up. It's an important one for a multitude of ways. And so first I'll share that when I first started out in this industry, a lot of the women that I was looking up to. And and even before, like when I lived in New York and I was doing PR, I, I worked at this agency, it was all women and no one had kids. And then I got into corporate America and more of those women had kids, but then I got out of it and I kind of did like my own contracting thing that we mentioned. And then I got into this influencer world and this online education world. And I was looking around at all of these women that I just admired so much and aspired to be, and none of them had children. I had to kind of catch myself because what I started doing, because I was starting to feel sorry about myself, was I was like, well, easy for them to grow so fast. They don't have kids. And what I started noticing, again, going back to that question, what is the payoff and me thinking that way, right? It's like, okay, so you think that way. So what now, Julie? Like, did you get the house? (laughs) Did you get the car? Did you get the guy? Did you get the life of your dreams? Because you think it's so much easier for everybody else. And so that was a great reminder to me that at the end of the day, none of us are special snowflakes, right? We all have the kids. We all have the lives. We all have the dogs and the really shitty things that can sometimes happen in life, right? So when I started asking myself that question of like, well, what's the payoff in saying that about these people? Is it helping me get to where I want to go any faster? No. Is it making me resentful? Probably. And when I was able to remove that stigma, remove that excuse from my energy field, I was able to really see the beauty that came with being a mom and also having to build something. My business did not become what it is today until I had a child. Mm -hmm. I had worked for 10 years in agency and corporate America and on my own before I had a child and I wasn't fulfilled. I was miserable. It wasn't the job that I wanted. I'm very grateful for that time because it taught me a lot of what I needed to know. But I didn't truly start living and working on the business that I love and truly start having the life that I loved until I had a child. And so to me, I believe that children bring their own little bowl of rice, if you will, to making the sushi, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever they come into this world, they bring that little piece of, of nugget and gold that is actually going to make you become the leader and the woman and the entrepreneur and the wife and the friend that you were meant to become. So when I started to shift my thinking and my focus away from the have nots and the haves and really started thinking of, 
well, how is being a mother, you know, helping my business? Who are the other mothers that I've gotten to meet because I'm a mom? What, what are the opportunities that I've gotten to do because I'm a mom? What has the balance and the fact that I'm not able to work on my business 24 seven actually helped me because I actually had to figure out what boundaries were when I became a mom and became an entrepreneur. And to me, the way that I define boundaries is when I am no longer delaying my happiness and when I am not subjecting myself to the abuse of myself or to the abuse of other people, I am living within my boundaries. Mm. And I don't know if I would have been able to define that, cultivate that, or even have boundaries without becoming a mother. So to me, it's been far more of a benefit and of a gift then it's been the opposite. And of course, I have had those days and I know that there are other moms out there that you're just like, I really don't want a mom right now. I want to finish writing this email, right? Or it's like, (laughs) can I please just have a phone conversation without being interrupted? You know, and you have those moments, or at least I do, honestly. I do too. That, you know, I just wish that I could be selfish and I wish that I could do my thing and just not be a mom. But then those two shall pass, right? So I allow them. I don't shame myself for them. Like I don't have mommy shame because it does not serve me. For me, what I learned is that by not taking the time to grow my business, to live my life with joy, to find things that creatively fulfill me and light me up, if I didn't do that, that would actually be the most selfish thing that I could ever do. It's Mm -hmm. not being selfish because I think a lot of women are like, well, I can't do that because then I can't spend time with my kids and that's so selfish of me. I believe the opposite. I believe by you not showing up as your best self, by you not taking time for you, by you not telling your child, this is mommy's 10 minutes right now, by you not doing those things, you're not giving yourself to the world. You're not sharing your brilliance to the world. You're not sharing your brilliance to your child. And it's also, we can look at it as to what are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching our kids that they are not valued, that their gifts aren't worth exploring, that they don't get their own privacy and alone time every once in a while? And so, you know, I think for me, that's so important to teach both of my kids. And the place that that starts is by me doing it myself and creating that space and time myself. But it is hard. So hard. Boundaries are hard. (laughs) Yeah, it really, it really is. And as moms, you're just desperate to be kind of doing it, quote unquote, right. And so there's so much comparison in this community. There's so much beauty and so much amazing stuff. But I think that mommy guilt and the comparison is one thing that we can continue to work on as moms. I'm so excited that you're talking about this because I just don't think that there's enough moms out there who are working on their business, who are showing up, that we get to see the day in, day out of them showing up at their jobs. I love that we're having this conversation and and that you're sharing some of the ways that you navigate this world. Okay, completely switching away from business for a second. Can we just talk about your pregnancy, your body changing, motherhood in that capacity? How do you find it? Do you love being pregnant? Is it a lot? How are you feeling these days? What are you craving? Give me the goods. Yeah. So yes and yes. I love it and it's a lot. And it's completely different than my first pregnancy. I've been more sick this time around. I've been more tired. 
But I've also given myself the grace to be those things. Whereas during my first pregnancy, I, I would feel guilty for being so tired or I would feel guilty for not working out or, you know, I would feel guilty for those things. I'm proud of myself for not allowing that guilt to come in. I'm growing a human. If I'm tired, yeah. you should be tired. You know, I remember one time the doctor saying, yeah, you should be tired, Julie. You're growing a brain today. You know, like, <laughs> that's a lot. So, I've been honoring it. I also, you know, we never knew if we were going to have another kid. We didn't know if we could because we had some health stuff come up a few years ago. So I really do see it as just a gift. And I don't know if I'll be pregnant again. So I'm, I'm really, I'm taking it in more this time around. I'm allowing myself to feel the way that I do eat whatever it is that I'm eating. I'm trying to eat healthy if I want, you know, the gluten-free toast with the almond butter and the banana three times a day, that may be a little excessive, but hey, you know, no. it's not the worst thing I consume. Oh my gosh. I was like all bagels and Miss Vicky's chips while I was pregnant. So it sounds like you're doing really well. <laughs> yeah, I like those too. And the French fries. And I had nachos last night. And yes. I'm now in my second trimester, so I'm not feeling as nauseous. I'm not throwing up anymore. Thank goodness. Oh, yes. But with my first, I never even was nauseous. Like it was just the easiest pregnancy, labor and delivery. Now I had a really tough postpartum with my first, mm. but the, the pregnancy, labor and delivery was easier, at least from what I, I have to compare it to. And, but I'm excited. We are due this summer. I'm just really soaking up every minute of it and, and just really being grateful for the gift. Mm. So beautiful. You'll be rocking those maxi dresses barefoot again, ready for this baby to pop out. Definitely baking pies. <laughs> Definitely all the pies, all the pies. All the pies. You, you mentioned with your first, it was a little bit more difficult postpartum. Yeah. Was that like anxiety, depression, colicky baby? What was going on? I was just a crazy person. You know, I remember having our son and breastfeeding was hard for me, but I think now I realize that it was hard for me because of the amount of stress that I was putting myself under. It's like, of course you can't produce milk. You haven't slept in five days and you're a basket case. Mm -hmm. So the milk production was an issue. He was dropping weight a lot. I really didn't want to supplement at the time. It was just a personal choice. You know, I'm a number three yeah. Enneagram. So I was like, I'm going to achieve this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we will breastfeed exclusively. And finally, after a few months, my mom was like, good Lord, Julie, just give him some freaking formula, you know, like it's not going to kill him. Yeah. So a little bit of it was guilt, but then I do remember early on, I think it was probably one of the first two weeks that we got home from the hospital. And mind you, my husband is an actor, as I mentioned. And so he was there for the first two weeks and then he left for 12 weeks. And because wow. I didn't know what I didn't know, I'm one of four. My mom's one of five. My dad's one of nine. And I was, you know, I was raised in a small town in Tennessee. No one had nannies. No one had any of that. And so my mom was like, well, you know, well, I raised four kids and I did it all by myself. And, you know, my aunt was like, well, I raised five kids on the military base all by myself. And so I was thinking, like, well, I can just do this by myself. You know, my family did. But I didn't take into consideration that I was in Los Angeles by myself with no family. No, yes. you know, my mom had her mom and her sister and her cousins and all this help. I didn't have any of that. And so about 
week three of literally being with a newborn baby completely by myself without my husband, I just went insane. And I was like, this is the worst decision that I've ever made. I can't believe that I thought mm. mom was a good decision. What was I thinking? I remember yeah. crying in the shower. You know, I was never diagnosed with postpartum depression. I was never put on medication, but I definitely had just the hormonal baby blue wave of emotion. And it really just goes back to, I didn't know how to ask for what I needed. I kept trying to take everything on myself. I kept telling everybody I was okay when I wasn't. I had no boundaries. I had random people that I didn't really know that were like friends of my husband coming in and out. I had my in-laws, although I love them very much, they were there for like the first three weeks. They stayed way too entirely long for what I needed at the time. Yes. I didn't know how to say, want to stay, that's fine, but go get a hotel. I didn't know how to say, we're going to have visiting hours. You can't literally be here 15 hours a day. I didn't know how to say, <laughs> no. do you mind going to get me food instead of me figuring out what you're going to eat? You know, I just, I didn't know how to clearly state what I needed. And I know that now, you know? So like this time around, mm-hmm. I'm like, at this, like, we're going to have visiting hours. You can't stay at my house. If you want to help me, yes. the front door and, you know, leave and I'll call you when I want to see you, you know, it's just like, yes, very clear on it. Have no guilt about it. Have no shame about it. If you don't like it, you cannot like it. And that's good for you. And I don't have to pick that up because that doesn't have my name on it, you know? So getting really clear on that for me this time around has been huge. Amazing. I feel like this is going to be a totally different experience for you. I'm sure it will have its own challenges, but I think that everything that you just mentioned is so applicable to so many women, whether that's motherhood or career or just taking care of themselves, like wanting to have some alone time to write or to read or whatever it is. Setting boundaries seems to be a really big theme for 2020. And I love how you just verbalized exactly what some of those boundaries sound like, even though it's hard to do things like telling your in-laws that they can't stay with you and they need to stay at a hotel. It's so important in allowing yourself to take care of yourself and allowing yourself to show up as your best self. So good for you. That's, That's amazing. It's as simple as, hey, we're having a baby. We hope that you come in town. We'll be really excited if you do. And we're going to have to ask that if you come, that you go and you stay somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. We need our own space. We're going to, my boobs are going to be out. I'm going to be wearing a diaper for a few days. I don't want to have to get dressed if I don't want to, like all the things. I love it. I made all the same, I don't want to call them mistakes, but I did all the same things with my first and the second was a totally different experience. Okay, Julie, I feel like you have done such an amazing job of peeling back the curtains and really letting us get to know you and your journey and the ups and downs. And you've shared so many incredible tools. If people want to continue to follow along on your journey and to meet this new babe when he or she arrives, (laughs) then where can they go to follow along? Yes. So they can go to juliesolomon.net is my website. And then my Instagram is at Solomon. But if they want to follow along with the baby journey through my coaching membership called Shine, we do kind of a behind the scenes docu-series video into my business and life every single month. Mm -hmm. And the intention is to really 
show people how me and my small but mighty team, you know, how we make decisions, why we create the things that we create, how do we kind of keep our finances in a row? When we have massive failures and challenges, how do we pivot and overcome? And to also really kind of show them more of of my, my life and my family. So our Shine members will be the first people that get to see the baby and kind of get to go through that journey. And then we'll be sharing it, I'm sure, on social, which would be uh, my Instagram. Amazing. Tell us exactly who the Shine program is for. Is it for influencers or entrepreneurs? Who is right for this program? Yeah. So Shine is for the woman out there who has a product or service or idea that they want to create and sell to another human being. Mm. So we do this through business coaching. And then there's just a lot of kind of mindset and life coaching that just naturally comes with that because that's just how I believe that it's kind of one and the same. You can't have a successful business unless you really get your mindset right. So there's a methodology to how I coach, but it's intended for that person that, you know, maybe she's listened to a lot of my podcasts. Maybe she's bought a program. Maybe she hasn't. Maybe she's just been a free fan on Instagram and she's been trying to kind of figure out how to get her business and her life that she really wants, kind of like get those ducks in a row. But she feels like she needs more personalized help to succeed. It's for that person who's ready to get out of the learning and really into the doing. And most importantly, that they want the support and the accountability, not only from me, but from my team and from the other community of Shine members so they don't feel so alone. So to find out more about that, they can go to juliesolomon.net slash shine. Amazing. And of course, we will make sure in the show notes to link to that and her Instagram and the website and all the goodness. I'm also going to put together a free PDF for you outlining a bunch of the notes and key takeaways from this episode. So you can get that in the show notes as well. Julie, my final question for you. What is your message to women of the world? My message to women of the world would be to take up space, to find what their brilliance is in the world and to step into that and share it. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your brilliance with all of us today. For everybody listening, if you loved this episode, if there were takeaways that you're going to start applying to your life, please share it on Instagram, tag at Jules Solomon and at Raw Beauty Talks. We always appreciate it if you send the link over to your friends or share that on Facebook or Instagram. It's such a powerful way of us getting these messages out to as many women as possible. Take what resonates with you from this episode, apply it to your life, and I can't wait to see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.